Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. There are selected passages from our message this morning. And the main character in these passages is Joseph. Well, I want to present to you this morning an interesting twist to, for some, a familiar story. And your assignment today is to read the entire accounts in Genesis 39 to Genesis 50. But here, it's just a synopsis of an overview. By the providence of God, Joseph has now been elevated from the prison to the palace. Potiphar, whom Joseph used to work for, now works for Joseph. It was Potiphar, the chief captain of Pharaoh's guards who put Joseph in prison. So now, what would be his fate? What about Potiphar's wife, since this is Lady Sunday? Her false accusation of Joseph's sexual advances landed him in jail. That's why her husband put him there. Let me preface this message by saying it's full of probabilities and possibility. Now, in the realm of possibility, there are three individuals who feared facing Joseph, the newly appointed governor of Egypt. The first one would be Pharaoh's, excuse me, Potiphar's chief book. You'll find about that if you read the assignment I've given you. Second would be Pharaoh's captain of the god, Potiphar. And lastly, our main character for the day would be Potiphar's wife. Briefly, let me just give you something about Potiphar's wife. According to the scripture, number one, she was a seducer. Number two, she was an adulteress. Now, her action is specifically recorded in Genesis 39, 6 through 18. But her mindset can be summed up in the words of King Solomon, who described the way of a seductive, adulterous woman in Proverbs chapter 17, excuse me, chapter 7, verses 17 to 19. The new revised standard penned it this way. I have decked my couch with covering, covered spreads of Egypt linen. I perfume my bed with myrrh, with aloes, and with cinnamon. Come, 
Let us take our field of love unto morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. A lot of this will make sense a little later on if you keep that in mind, her attitude. But Joseph's refusals of her advances and rejected her seductive effort caused her to hastily react out of her feminine emotion. She was hurt. She became vindictive. And then she responded with revenge. So in addition to being a seducer, an adulteress, she was also an avenger and a liar. Remember I said I want you guys to put yourself in the story. There is a non-biblical proverb that a lot of people think is scripture. It was written for a play called The Morning Bride. It's not morning as in day, but morning as in crying. And it says this, hell has no fury like a woman's scorn. But perhaps, in addition to hell has no fury like a woman's scorn, there's a verse that most of us never heard of before. And it says this, no one is angrier than a woman who has been rejected in love. Her desire for revenge caused her to become a liar. Told her husband that Joseph had tried to rape her. She even had proof. And she was advancing him. She grabbed his coat. He ran, but she used that coat. To accuse him. But God. Was with Joseph. This phrase is said three times. But God. Was with Joseph. Here he lies in prison. But God. Was with Joseph. It's interesting to note. And I want you to kind of. Think with me on this. It was dreams. That got Joseph in trouble. He dreamed about him being bowed down to by his brothers, and they put him in the pit. But it was also dreams that got him out of trouble. Can somebody tap into that? Sometimes the very thing that you're being criticized about that seemed to be detrimental to you is the very thing that be your deliverance. You see, the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, had a dream. This dream disturbed him. He dreamed that he was by the river, and all of a sudden there came out of the river seven fat, juicy cows. Future steak. Hamburger. And after the seven fat cows came seven skinny cows. The seven skinny cows began to eat the seven fat cows. And after they had ate them, they were just as skinny as they was before. They had a dream of seven plump 
corn ears. And after them seven skinny or bad looking corn, the corn that was bad ate up the corn that was good and they were still bad. This dream dealt with a seven years of prosperity and followed by seven years of greater famine. But Joseph not only interpreted the dream, he gave wise counsel how to deal with it. And the king, the pharaoh of Egypt, was so impressed, he appointed Joseph to be second in command to oversee the storage and distribution after nine years, the entire world was in an immense famine. I want you to, this wasn't just a little famine. It was a famine where nothing grew. Nothing grew. The animals began to die. Well, if nothing grew and the animals began to die, the people soon began to starve. But Joseph had been wise. He stored up grain, stored up food as well as you read the text. So if you were alive and you wanted to stay alive, everyone, everyone had to now come to Joseph. That included Potiphar, the butler, and Potiphar's wife. Try to look at this, Potiphar. Joseph had never violated his trust. So it seems to me that maybe there was so much pressure from his wife that even though he really in his heart of heart didn't believe Joseph had tried to rape his wife. But because of the pressure, he became angry. But he had to do what he had to do to keep peace in the household. What about the butler? The butler was an individual that was in jail. Somebody had tried, according to some history reports, poisoning the king. So the baker and the butler was both arrested. They too had dreams. Joseph interpreted the dream and told the butler, you're going to be restored and the breaker going to be hung. But he told the butler this, when you get delivered in three days, remember me. But the butler forgot. Maybe it was because he was so excited to be free. Maybe it was because he wanted to please the king and didn't want to bother. But for whatever reason, he was forgotten. Joseph spent two more years in jail. But you can understand Joseph saying, okay, it ain't so bad, Butler, I'm going to let you out of this because at least you did remember. And I can understand you being excited. So I'm going to dismiss your case along with Parfum. But now... Come the main character. Here come Mrs. Potiphar. What would be her fate? Can you let your imagination 
think with me. Here she is. She's starving like everybody else. But she comes crawling to Joseph. What would be her fate? Can I, can I just play defense attorney for, for, for Mrs. Parfum? Can, can, can I just kind of plead her case? You order Joseph. Look with mercy on my client. Because she was often left alone for long periods of time when her husband was out of town taking care of business. She was lonely. You all know she was also young and beautiful. Women of Egypt were some of the most beautiful ones in the world. But she was isolated from male attention. Mr. Parfum didn't pay no attention to her. Why? Because he was old. He lacked affection. It's a lesson in that for some of you married men. You ain't got to be old to lack affection. You know the physical part. But as our marriage minister said, you don't have the love language. You really don't know her emotional needs. And this is the case, Your Honor, with Mrs. Parfum. Last of all, Your Honor, Joseph, at that particular time, was about 23 years old. He was a good-looking man. Everything that her husband was not, Joseph was. So she was being human. Y'all heard that before? She was naturally attracted to him. And at some time I've heard this, I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> Sounds good. But she was still guilty. She was still the reason he spent seven years in jail. So how could he forgive her? Well, the answer perhaps may be discovered in the relationship that Joseph had with his brothers. You see, the whole world had to come to Joseph. So at some point in time, here comes his brothers who needed to buy grain. Joseph by now looks fully Egyptian. He is fluent in the Egyptian language. He is dressed like the Egyptian with the, the, the big thing on his head and clean shaven, which the Hebrews were not. And as these Ten men come into the presence of Joseph. He recognizes them. But they don't recognize him. After 
pricking their hearts with several things that I want you to read in the text. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Genesis 49, excuse me, 45, verses 4 through 5. So Joseph said to his brother, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. That's right there enough for me to say, kill him. But notice verse five. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourself because you sold me here. Don't be guilty. But here's the kicker. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean at 17 years old, I was thrown in a pit 20 feet deep that's damp and dark. I don't know what kind of rodents or reptiles in there, and you let me sit there, and God sent me here? You mean to tell me that I resisted in the name of God and for your sake, this beautiful woman, and would not give in to her, and I was put in jail for seven. You mean to tell me this was God's doing? Yes. And sometimes some of you have gone through some hell and you're blaming everybody else, but God may have put you in that position to preserve life. Joseph accepted the path that God had chosen for him. Now he understood why the experience of being thrown in a pit by his brother and falsely accused by a scorned woman. Being rejected by someone he had been faithful to his employer. And being forgotten by somebody he had helped. Genesis 50 verse 18 says, his brother also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servant. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring about many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph knew that vengeance belonged to the Lord. Vengeance belonged to the Lord, and Joseph knew that he was not God. Joseph acknowledged everything that happened to him was by the promptness of God's will. Now, I know you don't heard this to say, but sometimes it really needs to sink in your heart. Nothing get past God. God was not asleep. On vacation, when whatever devastation you went through happened. He knew everything about every situation that was negative in your life. If you are a believer, he was right there. 
when it happened. So what's the point of today's message? Ladies and men, most of us fall into two categories. Number one, we have been mistreated and hurt and disappointed by somebody. Number two, we have mistreated, disappointed, and hurt other people. Some of us fall into both of them. For those of us that have been mistreated and hurt and disappointed, think about how God blessed you in spite of everything they did. It may be just possible that God did so, so you could grow in him. Some of y'all wouldn't even be here today if y'all didn't go through some type of hell. As Benita so eloquently put it in faith development this morning, you were trying to do your own thing, and you were happy doing your own thing. For those of us that have treated her and disappointed someone, you need to take responsibility for your actions. You see, ever since sin came into the world, we have failed to take responsibility for our actions. God asked Adam, what have you done? It was the woman you gave me. He asked the woman, what have you done? It was the snake. My goodness, where are we going to stop blaming somebody else? How many times have y'all seen the evening news? Some dude don't commit it or do that. One of the grossest crime, and we want to say, they were a good kid. They just got mixed up with the wrong crowd. They were the wrong crowd. Take action for yourself. I'm reminded of a real life situation. My son Darren had this friend, uh, and he was a, a young blonde headed guy named Danny. And Darren hung out with him all the time, and me and Ann was just concerned. I said, I wish he wouldn't hang around Danny, because I don't think Danny's going to do him any good. Years later, I met Danny's mama, and we were talking. And she said, you know what? I really didn't want my son hanging around with Darren, because I thought Darren was going to take him around the wrong road. It ain't the environment. It ain't your ethnicity. I don't care how you want God, is still God. Take responsibility for your own action. For all of us, we need to consider the life of Jesus. See, there's similarity in the life of Jesus and Joseph. Like Jesus, like Joseph, Jesus was falsely accused of blasphemy. Like Joseph, Jesus' word was soon forgotten. Think about the disciple. Like Joseph, Jesus was in prison, even in death. Have you ever thought about it? Where was Jesus buried? 
in Joseph's tomb. Like Joseph, Jesus was elevated. Like Joseph, Jesus forgave them that hurt him. He looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. This is why and how Joseph, he's the probability, could forgive Paul for Dwight. But here's a question. Could she forgive herself? Can you imagine her at his feet and he says, I forgive you. Get as much grain as you need. Could she forgive herself? She was like this woman that we read in the New Testament called an adulteress by the religious leaders and being brought to Jesus. And they said, what do you say, Jesus? The, the scripture, the writing of Moses said we should stone her. John 8, verse 7 said this, and as they continued to ask him, he stood and said to them, let him, who is without sin among you, be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and rolled on the ground, but then they heard it. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. That's an interesting point I want to bring up. Jesus did not condemn, but Jesus did correct. Say it again. Jesus did not condemn, but Jesus did correct. And that's what we got to learn to do with a lot of people that we know in obvious situations that's not of God. Not to condemn, but we still got to correct. Pharaoh's wife was guilty on all counts. Seduction, adultery, and vengeance and lying. And her fate will have rested in Joseph's hand. Maybe there are some of you here today that's guilty on all accounts. And your fate rests in the hands of Jesus. But if you place your hand in his hand, he will not condemn. And he will give you the power to sin no more. But if you do not place your hand in his hand, he will not be your savior, but he will be your judge. And we have got to understand that his judgment has been written in this word of God. He told them, depart from me, for I never knew you. What's your fate? You got two choices. You can be condemned 
or you can be forgiven. Your case can be dismissed or that can be a sentencing segment. As you stand with me, I want you to think about that. Because you're on trial. Everyone here. And I'm going to ask you to hasten and make your way to the altar. It can be a place of refuge or a judgment seat. It all depends upon who hand your hand is in. Come on to the altar. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.